Amen. Come on, let's thank our worship team today. Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. It's great to see you all this morning. I, I thought I would nip up to the balcony. For, uh, if you don't know, if you're at the top, there is people down here, still alive down here. But it's really, really good to be up there to see how things are going. It's great to see you all today. And uh, weather's changing, isn't it? Good to see you online too. We're, we're actually believing by faith you're watching today. Um, well, the last few um, months we've been speaking about uh, God's faithfulness. God is faithful. And we're just about to cross over now into our new theme. I'm going to talk this week and then a couple of weeks just to help with the transition. And we're going to talk about Connect. Uh, the next season, the next campaign is Connect. But I want to try and just talk about a couple of things that's on my heart um, for us as a church. And just something that I, I want to try and explain um, some of the thoughts that's going on in my mind and my heart, and especially grappling with the whole um, subject of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. It's amazing to, to be in a setting like this, and, to, and gathering, and, and obviously I don't know everyone that's in this room, don't know everyone that's on, online, and we get the opportunity to, to, uh, to worship together and to speak to you, um, but I just want to try and help us how we can actually make an impact for God while we are still on this side of eternity. Because God has a purpose for his church, and, a, and you can guess that in our world right now, the world needs Jesus. Amen? And so his church has been given us the mandate. So let's, if you've got your Bible or an iPad or a phone, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. And I want us to take our time to read this passage, because this is what I'm going to speak on uh, today and also in a couple of weeks. I'd like you to go home and, and begin to read this passage over again, begin to look at it afresh. Um, you know, sometimes it's good to have one passage and begin to meditate on it and, and begin to look into it and look at the context and ask what God is saying to your life. But I've been looking at this passage for a while. So let's read it together um, in Mark 4, chapter 1 to 20. And it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It, began, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the other around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may, ever, may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then 
will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path. Where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in, the, in them. Others, like seed sown on the rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Father, we pray over these next few weeks as we unpack this passage that that you would do a work in our lives that father will move us lord into more of your purpose for our lives we ask you father god holy spirit that you would you would speak to us as a church as we go on this journey of connect and and moving forward in our walk with you in jesus name amen Matthew 28, as I said last week, Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended back to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So that was the the last words that Jesus gave as a mandate to his church before he ascended to heaven. So that was the most important thing that the church must actually take serious in their lives. It's awesome to talk about the blessing of God and the favor of God and the protection of God. And that's all true. We've talked about that for a long time, the faithfulness of God. But the reality is Jesus, Jesus gave, us, gave us his mission and his mandate to the church that you, you must go and make disciples of all nations. And so today I want to talk to you because in my conversations with, with some of my colleagues, there's been a question and a grappling for a long time of, well, how do we make disciples? What is a disciple? Because the thing is, it, we really need to know what discipleship is. And so I've looked at many of definitions, which I'm going to read to you, C.S. Lewis says, if the church is not making disciples, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible are a waste of time. That's powerful, isn't it? And so when we ask the question, I've been trying to think about it in my own life. Well, what is a disciple? What is um, someone that has given their life to Jesus? What what is it that when Jesus goes make disciples, what is he actually saying for us that we have to do as a church? Because if we get that right, then everything else will flow out of that. So as I begin to think about that, firstly, a disciple is not born, but they're made. You don't, you don't get born a disciple. You get born again into God's kingdom, where you become a part of God's family, you're forgiven of your sins, you're, you're redeemed of all your sins, you're given a brand new start. But discipleship is actually a journey of followership. You don't automatically become a disciple. You automatically become saved after you give your life to Jesus, and you, by faith, you trust in what he's done for you on the cross. And because of that, you are adopted into his family. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit for what is to come in your life. But discipleship is a lifelong journey 
of our commitment to God. We're called to be ambassadors. We are therefore, first of all, is that we have to go and make disciples. In other words, it's a process. So you have to go and get them. So, you know, Jesus went and called some to follow him. And we have been commissioned as ambassadors, as witnesses, as salt and light to go into all the world and to reach every nation. So therefore, our mission is, number one, is to try and connect people with God through our life change, through the message of the gospel. And then we have to then hook up with those people and take them on the journey of followership to become more like Christ to continue his mission. So when you think about that, you know, we are saved and we are going to heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. But discipleship is a matter of choice. Everyone in this room, everyone online has got the same time of the day that everyone has. Everyone's got different responsibilities. We've all been given different personalities and gifts by God. But every single one of us in this room and online can make a choice whether they want to continue to follow Jesus and do everything that he asks you to do. It's your choice if you want to do that. So the standard definition of discipleship is someone who adheres to the teaching of another. It is a follower of a, or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Rick Warren says, A disciple is one who thinks, feels, and acts like Jesus Christ. It is being conformed to his image. Gary Gibbs um, our church planting director of Elam in his book, Making Disciples, says, In Jewish culture, committed young men would attach themselves to a rabbi living in a strong relationship so they could learn the wisdom and knowledge of the teacher. They became like him in their lifestyle, practices and values. It was a 100% commitment to the process of whole life learning. In the Jewish Mishnah, there is a phrase which speaks of being covered in the dust of the rabbi, being that you would follow him so closely that the dust he kicked up as he walked would stick to you. 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He also says that for this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you of my way of life in Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. So what, what is it saying to us? It's saying a disciple is somebody that is willing to learn of somebody else who is one step in front of you. And then once you've learned that, you find somebody else who you can impart what you've learned to their walk in their life. That's what discipleship is. So two questions that you have to ask yourself this morning, you online. Who is discipling you? Who are you? So this morning you're sitting here, you're listening to the words, of hopefully, but you're willing to listen to some of the teaching. But this is not the whole journey. The Sunday morning is not the whole process of discipleship. So to be a disciple, you have to be in a position where, number one, that your relationship with God is that you're hooked up to him. But also you're hooked up with some, somebody in the body of Christ who is helping you on your journey, who has gone one step further than you, and then you take that and you give that to somebody else. Now, what you need to understand is that it's not just the pastors that you can learn from that's one, because not every pastor is one step ahead of everybody. In fact, if I were to talk to some of you that's been around for some time and you walk with God, 
there'll be areas of growth in your life where you can teach me. Because one person hasn't got it all. That's why you have to keep a teachable spirit. So there are some people I can learn from who has been married for 50 years because I've only been married 30. Does that make sense? So you, one mentor's not enough for you because one mentor is not perfect. And there'll be some things in their life that are not probably has grown as much where somebody else is. So what we need to do is find people who have gone further in some area of their life so I can go to them and say, how do you do that? Because I'm teachable. And once they've imparted their experience or knowledge to me and it works for me, I turn around and go and find somebody else to give that to. See, that's discipleship. So, so the issue is for discipleship is who are you receiving from and who are actually imparting to? Because if you're going to make disciples, you've got to have somebody that you can actually input, mentor and disciple and encourage as well as being encouraged. So, so what I'm saying to you is that just coming to church on Sunday and singing a few songs, which is not wrong, it's all a part of our worship, and listening to the word, that's not discipleship. Now, if you listen to the word of God today or over the next few weeks, and you put it into practice in your life, and it changes you to be more like Jesus, and you impart that to somebody else, that's discipleship. But, but I'm sure that sometimes we, we fail short of what Christ commands us to be and to do. So three things that Gary Gibbs says. Every believer is a follower of Jesus, primary relationship. Your walk with God is priority. So he is mentoring you for his word and the, by his Holy Spirit. Every believer has a caring, accountable, shaping friendship with other believers learning, growing and receiving from their experience or knowledge in their life. And thirdly, every believer invests in what God has deposited in them to others. Those that don't know Jesus and those that do. So when you look at that, it really changes things, doesn't it? Because sometimes we can come to church, we can share our gift, but when we leave church on Sunday, we, we, we don't continue with a journey of, of wanting to impart our life to other people. First of all, see, every one of you who are born again can start with sharing your testimony. You have a life-living example of Christ changing your life. So you can start by sharing that with others and helping them connect with God. And as you grow more in Jesus, you'll have learned from experiences, from failures, from mistakes, from victories, where you can turn around and help, help other people. Jesus said to Peter, look, Satan has tried to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. When, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, when you've learned from your experience of failure, Peter, go and find somebody else who's failed and help them how you've recovered. See, that's discipleship. And many of you are sat in this room or online with, with tons of experience and, and, and encounters of the goodness of God and, and there are people who are wanting your kind of experience and help in their journey. But we're not going to experience that in one gathering like this. Because we come to sit, we listen and we go. So Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So wherever you go, all nations are not just about the people that you like. Come on, say amen. And that's why I love this church, because it's so diverse. We're not just to be, reach people just like us. We're not just little, a little click church. We just think we just want people with the, the way we dress or the way we talk or the way we look. No, we want to reach all nations. Amen? So Tony, Dr. Tony Evans says, we can be Christians 
saved and going to heaven. But the disciple means that we also experience heaven on earth. That we manifest God's kingdom through us on earth, not just that we're going to heaven. So we're experiencing God's power, God's gift, God's reality in our lives when we leave church, when we, when we leave a church setting. When we go into our house, at home, with our family, when we go into our schools, when we go into our job, when we go wherever we are, that we are seeing God's kingdom being established in the arena where God has placed us. And so discipleship is more than just coming and listening to a sermon, but listening to a sermon is a part of the process. Pastor John Jenkins says discipleship is a command, not an option. It's really important that I set the foundation for this because if we don't grasp this principle, we will play church till Jesus comes back. And you, as a follower of Jesus, if you are, you will not fulfill what God's placed on your life in its full. So you really need to understand that Jesus saved you for a purpose, and that purpose is to go and make disciples. To be a disciple and to make a disciple. See, he also says that discipleship is more than just believing. Because he tells us that even Satan and the demons believe. So being a disciple is just more, I believe, brother, and I, you know, I speak the word and I'm believing God. It's more than believing. A disciple, someone else said, is someone who listens to the word, listen to this, and obeys it. There has to be a follow-through. Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what Jesus is saying is that you really only can be in a place of real authority to teach other people when you're actually living it out yourself. It's true, isn't it? So I, over 30 years of preaching the gospel, there's been a journey back where I've been preaching and on that journey myself to actually live it out. So it's not that I've got up to preach and I'm thinking, well, I've got all this together. No, I've preached with the intent of trying to obey God in my life in that area. But real authority comes is that when, you, when you, you talk to people about the scriptures or how to live for God, when you're actually living it out yourself. Because that's the authority, because that's actually integrity, and actually you're a proof that the word of God that you're telling others is actually real in your own life. So it's really important that Jesus says, go and teach them everything I have commanded you. And so we're all on that process, we're not perfect. See, what, what I try to grasp with today, and you know, you're getting my thoughts and trying to process things. When we just think that we could just read the Bible and pray and that's all there is to our growth, it's not going to work. There needs to be a working out of the Word in our lives. So Jesus was the Word and he became flesh. And he dwelt amongst us. And so for some of you, that just you and, you and God... You're, there's not going to be an outworking because you need somebody else in the flesh to help you manifest that word, to help you, encourage you, to strengthen you, to teach you, to rebuke you, to, 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 to challenge us in our life. And so it's, to, that discipleship has to be done in community. And so when we look at these um, instances, discipleship, is where we receive from God and others and then we give that away to help them in what, where we are of being ourselves in God. 
you know, what, what we need to understand is in the Old Testament, when God saved them from slavery, it was by his grace that did that. So he, he delivers them from Egypt. Do you remember the story? And he, he takes them out of Egypt. He, he drowns the Egyptians through the sea. And they, he takes them out and he brings them delivered. And Moses begins to lead these people. That was all by the grace of God. Okay? So they're saved. They've gone through the waters of baptism through, through the Red Sea. They've been given the commands. Now they've got the word of God. But then what happens, it's really important. God promises them a land of milk and honey. A journey which should have taken 11 days took 40 years because they were disobedient to God's word. And, and, and I want to say to you today that you can be a Christian for 40 years, but there are some things you could have done in 11 years. But because we're not willing to actually to obey the word of God from the, from the word that we read in personal devotion and from others, we restrict our progress. So God said to them, look, when you get into the land of promise, I want you to fight for milk and honey. When you read, when you read in, in the history, in the scriptures, it will say, as soon as they entered Canaan, the manna stopped. There's a transition, and now that I've shown you my grace, and now that I've led you by a fire and a cloud, and now that I provided for you every day of your life through manna and quail, now you're going to go into the promised land, that kind of provision is going to stop. Now you're going to have to fight and take possession of the land. You're going to have to obey my word, and you're going to have to claim the promises. So God changes strategy, so we begin to lean on him and begin to exercise our faith through obedience to the word of God. Billy Graham says, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything that you've got. And I wonder whether in this room that we have come to a decision that we're willing to pay the price to be a disciple. Because the thing is, if you're going to fulfill God's purpose for your life, then that's what it's going to take. It's going to take this church and every other church and every person that's belonging to those churches to make a decision that they're willing to count the cost to follow Jesus. And so the, the scripture teaches that we could be hearers, the, hearers of the word, but actually not doers. So Jesus teaches this parable. And he says to them, look, don't, why are you asking me about... I, I'm, I'm giving you a parable because it's the most easiest way for anybody to understand what I'm trying to say. But you guys are struggling to understand this. So he said, look, I need to actually paint a picture because people understood about farming in those days. There's a couple of people in this room that knows all about sowing seed. And he said there were four kinds of soil to the word of God. Let me explain. So he said, the farmer sows the seed in the soil. The farmer is God the word of God and those that proclaim the word of God and the seed the seed is the word of God but the soil represents people's hearts and so so what Jesus is saying is that that when I preach the word when I sow the word of God it's going to land on four different kinds of soil 
And there's only one kind of soil which when the seed lands on, which will able to produce fruit. That will be able to excel into all I have. And the rest of it, when the word is preached, if it lands on these three other kinds of soil, there'll be no production in their lives. And he says to the disciples, don't you understand what I'm trying to say to you? If you can't understand this parable, then you're not going to understand any other parable. And then he takes them back to the Old Testament scriptures and he quotes Isaiah of speaking to a chosen people who had a hard heart and they wouldn't listen to the word of God. So one of the principles of being a disciple is whether or not you are willing to obey God's word. Because many of you right now are listening to the word of God in this room and online. But the real change takes place when you put it into practice. If you do not put the word into practice, you will not be fruitful. So you can confess it, you can shout it out, you can do a Pentecostal two-step on the word. But if you don't take the word home and allow it to go into your heart and take steps to obey it, there'll be no fruit in your life. And so what Jesus is saying is, guys, I need your hearts not to be like the people of old who the prophets couldn't speak to, who Jeremiah also spoke to and said to them, you know, you need to, to plow up the unplowed ground in your heart because your hearts are hard and you're not willing to listen to me. And so I want to say to you today that the condition of our hearts today and online is so important to our growth in God. It's so important to our breakthroughs and our blessings. It's all down to the condition of your heart. And so Jesus begins to talk about the conditions. I'm going to talk about the other three conditions in two weeks' time because I want to take my time with this about what Jesus is saying to the disciples. You see, sometimes a Sunday preach will not always be clear to get into your understanding. As we need to prepare to hear God's word uh, and we need to put it into practice, it's a serious thing. I know that we have many distractions on Sunday, even today, that your mind is going everywhere but concentrating on the word of God. The things that I'm saying to you, you're either accepting or dismissing or justifying why it's not right. There's all kinds of things going on right now. Some of you are thinking about your Sunday lunch. Some of you thinking about going to the shop. There's all sorts of things. And what, what needs to happen in the context of 40 minutes is that we have to really be concentrated on what God is trying to say to us. We have to protect that environment. You know, if you look at our digital devices today, things have changed, hasn't it, in church life. If you've been around church long enough, no longer do we see the notepad and pens and the paper Bibles. We don't see many of them around, do we? But we have our devices with the Bible on and the notepads. But here's the problem with devices, and I've got a device because I'm preaching from one because it's a lot more convenient. Here's the problem with the device this morning and a mobile phone with a Bible. While you're listening to me and you're getting a bit bored, now you're on Facebook. I'm not trying to condemn you because I'm telling you the truth. And then some of you are on Instagram right now and some of you are on eBay and some of you are playing... Um, those games. Candy Crush, is it? Linda's favourite at the minute. 
Because it, the preacher's going on a bit longer now, you have a little longer, you're texting your friend, and, then, and you're surfing the web. You see, the problem is that if you allow that distraction in the moment where someone is trying to teach you the Word of God, you're going to get, the seed's going to get stolen and there'll be no production. I'm not condemning the devices. What I'm saying is that we need discipline to make sure that we're coming prepared to hear the Word of God. Here's, here's the thing that I thought the other day. I've spent hours in my work time and out of my work time. I spend more time preparing out of my work time preparing this message for you today. And you say, oh, well, you should have prepared a bit longer because it's not that good. <laughs> you don't really understand the process of trying to... You know, I can go on the internet and get a sermon and preach to you and just hand you off a word. Not a problem. There's loads of sermons, better sermons online right now. And I could go online, go on sermoncentral.com, copy a sermon and preach it to you and just go on. But, but, but the issue is that when you, when you have a word from the Lord, it, you, you have to keep thinking about it. It, it doesn't leave you. So when you, you clock off at five or four at church and you've done a bit of sermon prep, you go home, it still comes with you. And then you're eating your tea and you stop and you go to your iPad and you put in what you think God's saying to you. This morning when I came here, I was up there to come back down, write a few things in because the Word of God is alive and active. And the preparation that's put in to try and communicate 40 minutes or so to you today is hard work and emotional. Last week when I preached, I got home and it's like I'd give everything out of my own life. This is not to try and say, oh, poor pastor. I'm trying to say to you, and it dawned on me, can I ask you, how much preparation has it taken you this week to come ready to hear the word? Have you even thought about preparing your hearts this morning to hear from God? Have you even thought about, this is really serious because God is going to speak to me? And it's a matter of me producing fruit in my life or not. And so can you imagine what would have happened if the preacher prepared and the congregation prepared? Can you imagine if your hearts were so like the, the soil that was ready to receive the word? Do you know what would happen? Revival. And the problem is today, in this room, there are four kinds of soil. Every week that I sow the seed or where the preacher sows the word out to you, in, in, this, in this audience and online, there are four kinds of soil and only one kind will produce a harvest. And that's why in ministry you can get disappointed because you think nobody's changing, nobody's growing, nothing's happening. But there is a few who God seems to allow the seed because they're hungry for God and they want to follow him with all their heart and they seem to begin to see the hand of God on their lives. And it's not because they're special, it's because they're willing to open that heart to hear from God and wanting to serve him with all of their life. Every one of you have an opportunity to cultivate your heart so you can hear God's word that it will produce fruit in your life beyond your wildest dreams. And so... Jesus obviously challenged the disciples where there was a time in his life where he was preaching to the crowds and the crowds are awesome. But here's the thing. After Jesus preached this amazing crowd where it was so big he had to get a boat to preach to them, the disciples said to him in private, can you explain the word to me? You see, in this crowd, you're going to need more than just a Sunday preach. You're going to have to find a group. 
You're going to have to connect with a smaller group of people where they can take the word and let's talk about what was preached today. How does that apply to your life? How can I allow that to come into my heart? I just, and the disciples went into a smaller group to talk about what he preached to the crowd. And there is no getting away from that. You just can't attend a crowd and expect to be a disciple. You have to begin to be intentional about finding someone or some gathered people that you can go to and say, can you, can you help me in what I've read in my devotions this morning? Can you help me in what the pastor preached on this Sunday? How do I apply that to my life? See, Jesus said to the disciples, look, the kind of people that you need to look after is those people that's got the evidence that the word matches their lifestyle. He said, don't follow the, don't follow the religious leaders, the Pharisees, because they're blind guides. He says, they are blind people leading the blind, and they're going to end up in a pit. See, what I want to say to you today, there are as many people who call themselves teachers of the word, but actually, when you get close to them, they don't even live it out. There is a big difference See, you can be eloquent, you can quote scripture, but as Paul says, he watched my life, watch, and my doctrine closely. In other words, what we preach, we are attempting to live. In fact, not attempting, you can see it in somebody. So, so you can be an amazing Bible preacher, but if I get close enough to you, can I see what you teach living out in your own life? Because that's where the rubber hits the road, guys. And so, so Jesus said, you're blind guides. You strain a gnat and swallow a camel. You know, interesting, isn't it, when religious people can quote Scripture at other people, but their lives are totally far more worse than them. They complain at a gnat in somebody's life, but yet they swallow a camel because they're so religious that the word of God is not even living through their life. And if we're going to be authentic disciples, we've got to be able to say, do you know what? The word is actually active in me. Because what you don't realize is, no matter how, this is a sober thought today, your family that you live with will actually see how much of the word that you are confessing. So you, you can be an amazing Bible teacher to a congregation, but when you go home, your kids will say, Dad, are you really living that out? Because I don't see that right now. See, the proof, guys, is that we have to get around people who are actually have done the journey and experienced the outworking of the Word of God, the hard work, the sacrifice, the pain, the suffering of actually living out God's Word. So we can be fancy quoting scripture, but let me tell you something, living out scripture is very painful at times. Being obedient to God's word costs you a lot of stuff that you don't want to surrender to God. But in order for me to grow and produce fruit, I've got to submit my heart to his will. You know, we come to church and we say he is Lord. Well, the proof is, it's whether or not you're obedient to his word or not, if he's Lord. And so Jesus said there are four kinds of soil and the soil that I want you to have in your lives, guys, is soil that when I speak the word to you, your heart is so open to receive that it, when it lands, it will produce because you're willing to obey it. 
And that's what discipleship is in our lives. We are be willing to not only hear the word, but to put it into practice. Jesus said in verse 3, listen. And in verse 9, he says, whoever has ears to hear. Those two words are actually the same words, which means not only that you hear it, but you actually will be willing to do it. When Jesus said is, is to hear, what he's saying is that the kind of people I need to, to, uh, to preach to is the people that's going to take this, take it home, and begin to apply it into their hearts to live it out. Because when that happens, fruit manifests in our lives. I have a photograph here of, on there, hopefully, if we've got it on there, of the four different kinds of soil that Jesus was talking about. I'm going to talk to you about these in the next couple of weeks. They're really important because some of these are actually stopping some of you from growing in God. So in those days, if you see on the good soil over there, that's where the, the, the harvest would be reaped. And the path where you can see the arrow is where they would walk because they didn't want to go into the thorns or the rocky places. So they walk on the path, but not treading on the place of harvest. But because they walked on the path so much, it would come hard. And then we can see the rocky places and the thorns. And, and as the, the sower scatters his seed, it will go on all, all four types of soil. But the only one that will produce a harvest is the seed that will fall on a heart that is ready to obey the word of God. And here's the good news as I come to a close. Every one of you that has become born again has the ability for a heart transplant. Jesus, God said, I will take the heart of stone and I'll make it a heart of flesh. And the problem is that in church life or normal life, we allow things into our heart and it ends up being a, a heart of stone a rocky place, weeds, or a path. And we have to learn to cultivate and navigate through disappointment and life so we keep our hearts soft, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit through his word and other people so we can respond. You know, when you read the two gospel accounts, Mark and Luke, Mark talks about the 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold of harvest that you receive when you have a heart that receives the word and obeys it. But Luke's gospel goes straight to a hundredfold. He passes out the 30 or the 60, and he says, those that are willing to obey the word, they'll receive a hundredfold. And the only reference to a hundredfold in the Old Testament was Isaac. He said he planted a crop in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Now, here we go to close at this session today, because it was just a foundation for the next couple of, in two weeks' time to talk about the other kinds of soil that will rob you of God's blessing for your life. So who's a, who's a Christian that is going to be an amazing disciple who's going to find the blessing of God in their life who will begin to reap a harvest beyond measure? Let me, just, let me read to you Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, who takes a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and, who, and, and its leaves does not 
wither. But whatever they do, they prosper. Joshua 1 verse 8, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Matthew 7, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who builds his house on the rock. And finally, James 1 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intensely into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Proverbs 4 says this, stand with me. Above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do, listen, flows from it. The success of your walk with God is down to one basic thing, the condition of your heart. When God speaks, how quick is it that you're willing to obey? There isn't any shortcut. So, Father, everyone in this room has the potential to produce a harvest. Every heart in this room, Lord, through whatever has been experienced. You know, there are many kinds of hearts. There is broken hearts. The disappointed hearts. There's lots of things that can come and capture your heart. But, but Jesus said, I want you to love me with all of your heart. All of it. I want you to have a heart ready to receive that when I speak into your life, that you go, yes and amen, Lord. I'm willing to obey. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Father, as we've looked just slightly on the subject of what it is to be a disciple, what it is to be a church that will make disciples, Lord, one of the foundations is that, Lord, we'll be people that would be willing to not only be listeners of your word, but be doers of it. And Lord, over these next two weeks, as your people will go home this week and read this passage and pray over this passage and ask God to do something in their heart, ready, Father God, for an explosion of harvest in their life. I ask you, Lord, in this process that you'll begin to heal hearts, that you restore hearts, that, Father God, that we'll not allow anybody to rob, Lord, what you want from us. And so, Lord, would you do a work in our church? Would you do a work, Lord, in our hearts? Lord, will you be, we do a work that we were ready to hear from you? Ready, Lord, to put your word 
into practice. Lord God's people said, Amen. Thank you.